Hey, Tribe, did you know the average business is missing out on 50% more sales? If you're an ambitious female entrepreneur who is leveling up this year and your path is to grow beyond seven figures, I have an invitation for you. Every month I open my calendar up for a few lucky business owners to take advantage of a rev up your revenue assessment. You may not know this, but only 2% of sales close on that first contact or the first sales call. And most entrepreneurs are missing out on tens of thousands of dollars in additional revenue every month because they don't have a repeatable process that nurtures those other 98% of leads who just aren't ready to say yes yet. Like most businesses, you may even fall into that roller coaster cycle of feast or famine, or maybe you're just randomly bringing on new clients, but you don't know where they're coming from and why they're choosing you. If that's the case, let's find out if there are clients and dollars that you may be overlooking with a rev up your revenue assessment. In the assessment, we dive into your sales processes, identify low-hanging fruit, develop a simple and repeatable process for you to close clients like clockwork, and give you the action steps that you can implement right away. So if this sounds like something you want to take advantage of, because there are only a few slots, click the Rev Up Your Revenue Assessment link in the show notes. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. Today's guest, Sarah Worth, is considered one of the world's foremost authorities in metric-based performance coaching and growth. She is the president of Excel Institute, the world's first and only organization to measure and quantify leadership effectiveness. Sarah is also the co-author of the Amazon best-selling book, The Coaching Effect, which helps leaders at all levels understand the necessity of challenging people out of their comfort zone to create high growth organizations. Sarah, welcome to the show. I've got a million questions for you because out of the comfort zone is something that everybody is talking about. And I don't know that we're really doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah. Share with everybody just like a brief snapshot of your journey into where you're at right now at Excel. Yeah. So I really have spent the vast majority of my career understanding what makes a leader really good at their work. So done a lot of research with the different companies that I've worked with. Um, Of course, now written the coaching effect that's all about those concepts. Um, But that's really been the the core of, of my 
of my professional journey. I'm actually trained as an attorney. So went to law school, graduated from law school, you know, sat for the bar, you know, all that good stuff and just didn't ever love being a lawyer. And so got into leadership development through some connections that I had. And it's been my life's passion because I love understanding great leaders and I love understanding how they help their teams perform better. When you have a great leader leading a team, what are some of the differences that you see? Yeah. Well, you brought up already the concept of getting people out of their comfort zone. And so when we first started studying great leaders here at Excel Institute, that was one of our discoveries early on is that those leaders who are really effective at helping their team members grow, they're not just the, you know, the nice person. They're not just always the, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And then the kind, supportive, you yeah. know, I just, I, Empathetic. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now they, they definitely have those qualities. So I don't want to make it seem like that's not important. It is, but they also have this additional quality of being able to push you, to challenge you, to give you assignments and opportunities that really force you to get better and to grow. And sometimes that makes people a little uncomfortable and a really great leader is able to say to you, you know what? I know you're uncomfortable and I know you might be a little scared and I know you might, you may not believe me that you can accomplish this, but I think you can. And so I'm going to push you in this direction that maybe you don't even necessarily feel ready for right now. What is it that keeps leaders in a place where they're comfortable pushing other people? Yeah. Because it's, it's almost like a confrontation a little bit mm-hmm. and not at the same time. Yeah. So I think the motivation really comes from that desire that I, I want us to be able to achieve more. I want you to be able to achieve more. I want our company to be able to achieve more. So I think it's really a drive and a desire for higher performance and for growth. But I think it comes in kind of two packages. So in one instance, you have the leader who really has that motivation and kind of solely that motivation. So they come off as the leader who's probably too aggressive, that you probably don't like very much, that you (laughs) might think doesn't care about you, right? Only cares about the bottom line. That's one group of it. And then you have the leader who pushes you and challenges you, but also cares about you a lot and really values you as a person and wants you to be successful and and has your best interest at heart. And so it's that second group of leaders that of course are the really effective ones because when they push you, you know, it's not only because they want the company to grow, but it's for you. It's for your success. It's for helping you achieve something that you didn't think you could achieve before. And so that feels very different when they have that underlying care and concern for you as a person. Yeah, I totally agree. From a coaching perspective, at least for me with my clients, like I'm very empathetic and I'm also very direct. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. that constant balance of the kind of like love, hate, because is not unusual at some point during our coaching relationship for them to be like, I don't like you right now. Right, (laughs) right. And I'm okay with that. Like, they're not supposed to like me in that moment. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I'll ask leaders that sometimes about, you know, who are uncomfortable, right? They're uncomfortable pushing people. They don't, they don't want people to dislike them. So they kind of hold back a little bit. And one of the, my favorite questions to ask them is just, who do you push the most in your lives? And if they have kids, 
inevitably they'll say my children, you know, those are the people that I'm constantly challenging, holding to a high standard, pushing, pushing, pushing. And I say, okay, so your kids. So why do you push your kids? They're like, well, cause I, I love them. I want them to be successful in life. You know, I want the best thing for them. And the thing I try to help them understand and make that connection is you're not afraid to push your kids because you have that underlying love and relationship with them. So they know that you're pushing them for their best interests. You know that you want nothing but the best for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously your employees are not your children, but it's still that same motivator, that same drive. So stop thinking of it as, they're not going to like me and start thinking of it as I want to help them be the best they can be, which means sometimes getting them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. I, at least in my experience, feel that leadership is very close to parenting, Mm -hmm. right? There's so many crossovers and there were so many opportunities for me to lead my kids while I was parenting. And I take a lot of that into how I build teams now. Yeah. And and it's fun too. It's, it's interesting. It's, you know, people are dynamic, curious beings. So really trying to understand what's going to help them the most is, well, for me, it's fun for, I may not be that for everybody, but <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to, to shift directions a little bit, like being metric based, how do you do things differently? Yeah. So that's also one of the things when we started studying effective leadership that we really wanted to be able to to show, which is that you can measure it. Because a lot of people talk about leaders like it's some ethereal concept and you're born that way. And that's (laughs) something that you just have or you don't have. And, And we wanted to be able to look at it and say, you know what? You can, you can measure whether or not somebody's doing effective leadership behaviors, whether they're executing effective leadership activities, and then correlate that to the performance of their teams. So leaders who do certain activities, such as giving feedback, doing that more often, putting mm-hmm. feedback in writing, not just doing it verbally, but some, some written feedback. We see based on our research that those leaders have teams that are more likely to be hitting their performance goals. So we really like to measure the activities and the behaviors of leaders so that then we can share that with others to say, you know what, if you want to get better at this, here's some really specific things you can do that can help your team perform at a higher level. What would be something that you found that people can do? Yeah. Well, so, so the, the written feedback is a big one. That's something that that great leaders really do. They also talk a lot more about career development with their team members. So they're sitting down with them at least once a year, talking with them about their career goals, helping them find specific opportunities to take on more responsibility or maybe a, a new learning opportunity to help them grow. Because those great leaders understand that even if you love your current role, even if you don't want to do anything different in terms of a a promotion or a a different position that you still want to be growing and that you should still be growing as a person in that role. And so the great leaders will do those career discussions for everybody on their team, not just people who want to, to be promoted to management. Okay. Super cool. And I'm curious too, like as you've found, measured, received all this data over the years, how has that changed how you're leading 
just in your life in general? <laughs> oh my gosh, it has changed <laughs> so much of it. It really has. I feel like, you know, I, I'm I'm the doctor, right? Who, you know, is is talking to people all day along around how to be healthy. And and as a constant reinforcement of I need to be practicing these same things. Probably the thing that it's changed the most for me is what we were talking about in terms of getting people outside their comfort zone. Because I think previously I would have had a tendency to to hold back a little bit, to you know, not want to make anybody feel too uncomfortable, not to push them too much. You know, definitely don't want to push them into a space where they're scared or, or not sure if they can achieve. And now I really see the benefit of that. Now I really see the importance of challenging people, of getting them out of their comfort zone. And when they're scared or nervous, you know, you can you can help them through that, but don't hold back. You know, that's for the benefit of the person. If you're going to really help them grow, you you got to get them there. So that, that's probably the biggest thing that I've changed in my leadership uh, philosophy. Are there particular questions you ask to help draw people out and kind of get them into their uncomfort zone? Or is it specific to each person and each industry level, et cetera? I, I think there's some specific questions that you can use that will help people figure that out. Because uh, what I've seen over the years is a lot of times people don't necessarily know what they want to be doing more of. They don't know how they want to grow. Some people do. That's great. It's it's nice when you have somebody who's really clear with that. But a lot of people just haven't considered it. So I like to ask them questions about, you know, tell me about what you're passionate about in your work. What gets you really excited? On a given work week, when does time really fly for you? You know, when when are you really kind of in the zone and feeling like I'm just working at my best level? What are you doing in those moments? What would what would be your professional dream? If you were sitting around at a, a retirement party someday, what would you love people to have said that you accomplished in your career? So I'll ask them questions like that that maybe get them thinking a little bit differently. You know, you, you can ask them standard stuff like where do you what do you want to do in the next five years. And some people don't have clarity there. So you got to kind of dig a little bit deeper to see what they really love. Yeah. I love those questions. I am somebody who just naturally is like in a continuous plan of what I want my life and my work to evolve and, and taking information in with, Ooh, that's great. And I'm having fun and let's do more of that along with, Ooh, let's not do this piece again. Cause <laughs> You know, it doesn't work with a pain in the butt, et cetera. And I don't think everybody's doing that yeah. based on the feedback that I get from other people. So I think some of those questions are fantastic because it does give you that space to look at things like and create newly of where do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Like what, what does light me up? What is fun? What thing parts of my day do I want to keep and what can go? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you can sit down with that person and help them think through, okay, so what are, what are some specific experiences we could give to you? Who are some people that you might want to talk to? What's, what's something that we can, a new challenge that we can put on your plate? that you're not doing right now uh, and, and help them grow. Even again, staying in their current role, but just advancing their skills, advancing their responsibilities, you know, feeling like they're 
making that progression in their career. Yeah. Now I saw on the website that your favorite emoji is the unicorn. (laughs) Yes. But I'm curious why, and if it ties to helping people grow. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, (laughs) that's a great question. There's a couple reasons why I love that emoji. And one of them is just, when I think about it, there's kind of two things and one's really silly. And the other reason's probably a little bit more thoughtful, but the silly reason why I love that emoji is because when I was about eight years old, my favorite t-shirt in the entire world had these rainbow sleeves on it. Um, (laughs) It had an applique of a unicorn picture on the front of it and had my name on the back of it. So, you know, as eight-year-old Sarah, that was like the height of fashion. And so the unicorn emoji, of course, reminds me of that. The more serious reason, though, is I love the unicorn because it's the idea that somebody's special, right? And there's something about them that makes them unique. And I think when I consider coaching, I I think so much of it is figuring out for that person what it is that makes them special, what lights them up, what makes them uniquely able to do this aspect of their work. And if you can figure that out for people, what really lights them up, you can help everybody achieve more than what they thought was possible. And you can help so many people be much more successful than they ever thought they could be. So I love that idea of just figuring out what's special for each person. Yeah, I love that. Like that. For me, everybody has some unicorn in them. Yep. <laughs> and being able to draw that out makes so much sense. So yeah. super yeah. fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Where do you see the company growing to? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I mean, leadership's kind of the hot button right now. Yeah. And particularly as we're kind of coming slowly out of COVID, I think there's a great shift in how we're working, what that looks like. And leaders are going to have to change and they're going to need help to bridge those gaps. So I presume that they'll be turning to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for information and help. So like what's new and exciting and kind of on the horizon? Yeah. So probably what, what I'm seeing more than anything right now is just that shift that I, that I think has been coming for a while, but has been really accelerated by these last 18 months of the pandemic is from leadership, not just being uh, somebody who gets people to accomplish things, right? To that make sure that the team is moving forward and they're executing and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and aligned in their efforts, but also thinking about the person and taking care of the person and, and understanding understanding our team members as holistic people who show up every day, either at the office or at their desk at home with a mindset that takes into account everything that's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And if you as a leader can't understand that I'm not just managing an employee, but I'm managing a person who has their own feelings and emotions and stresses and needs, I don't think you're going to be successful in today's leadership environment. I mean, people expect their manager to really see them, value them and treat them as a human being. And so we see that more and more. And I feel like just, again, the pandemic has really accelerated that where people want that respect for them from their leader. Yeah. It feels to me like we're moving into a kinder, gentler workplace where it's not like grind away mindlessly. And the only thing we're measuring is output Mm -hmm. and and output at the level of sacrificing everything else. It's really, how do we have full lives and acknowledge that there's times when our personal life or our kids or something else needs to take precedence. 
Yeah. And if you don't get that, and if you don't respect that and work to that as a leader, you're going to lose people. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've all probably heard the term now, the great resignation, right, of, of 2021. Yeah. And we're looking into that and doing our research on it. And not surprisingly, what we're seeing is that connection that you have with your employee, that that willingness to understand them and value them and treat them as a, as a human being is so integral to whether or not they want to stay with your company. They feel like you really care about them as a person. They're going to be so much more likely to stay and and to want to work with your organization. And that's just a huge differentiator. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm also curious too, like what is it that the best coaches are doing differently that is allowing them to really be a great coach? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a few of the things that they're going to do differently, they are going to communicate quite a bit more with their team members. So that's, that's a common one that we see. The best coaches are tending to do regular one-to-ones with their team members, regular team meetings. And when they're in those meetings, whether it's individually or as a group, they are really making sure that their team members are equal partners in talking about the work. So they don't go into a one-to-one and say, okay, you know, so tell me, you know, your project update here, tell me where you are on this, you know, and then just checking things off to make sure the work's getting done. They're talking with you and saying, you know, so tell me about what's going on in your work right now. What's really effective for you at the moment? Where are you challenged? You know, what ideas do you have to overcome those challenges that maybe you haven't taken action on yet? So they're they're making their team members really that equal partner, typically through asking a lot of questions. And that's why we have the title of the book is The Coaching Effect, because it's not about managing output and making sure the work gets done. It's more about coaching you as a person to bring out your best work, your best ideas, your best execution. And I can only do that if I'm engaging you in that process, because you have, you know, your mind, your ideas. I want to, I want to take advantage of everything that you bring to the equation. So I'm a coach. I'm not managing your work. Right, right. That makes so much more sense. Like people will be accountable to themselves and to the team and to the group when they don't feel like they're having somebody walk or uh, get out what I'm thinking. (laughs) When they don't feel like they have somebody just like staring over their their back at what they're doing, keeping track of every minute little detail. Yeah, we want our people to feel empowered and inspired that, you know, I I want to achieve my goals, not because my manager is checking them off and making sure I'm getting everything done, but because I love what I'm doing, because I'm passionate about this work, because I feel like I'm in in a culture and an environment where I'm valued as a human being and where my ideas and what I want to accomplish are also valued. And so I feel inspired. I feel empowered to take action, not not because somebody's making me, but because I want to. For somebody who's listening to this and they're not in a management leadership role, they are more of the employee or even an entrepreneur who's looking to kind of like step up. What are some things that they can start doing to to really help create that bridge Mm -hmm. with leadership? Yeah, to get themselves kind of ready for that next. Yeah, so they're so they're kind of coaching themselves up. Yeah, I'd say probably the number one most important thing to get good at doing, and you can do this if you're not a leader currently. So this is something that any of us can work on if we want to be a good coach. 
ask questions. Get used to asking the other person questions to help them think through something, how they're approaching it, what their ideas are, what their strategies are, what next steps they're going to take and listen listen to them you can you can ask them questions that help you know them maybe see some things that they're not seeing or you can throw out some suggestions to them from time to time but the best leaders are really behaving like a coach where they are asking questions and helping you learn to think through things rather than just telling you giving you answers and telling and and saying to you this is what you have to do Absolutely. So it's really just ask more questions and absolutely. Absolutely. And you can, and then, you know, we were talking earlier about coaching and coaching a team of employees and and being a parent. I use it a lot with my kids, you know, even, even to the point that sometimes my 16 year old will say to me, you know, mom, can you not do that thing where you ask me a bunch of questions to help me figure out what I should do? Can you just tell me? Just tell me what you want me to do here, mom. And I say, no, you know, I'm not going to do that because if I tell you, you don't learn to think through this stuff on your own. So I I want you to learn how to think through this stuff on your own. So I'm going to keep asking you questions. Yes. Yeah. And I, I found at least with my kids that it makes them more inquisitive and more curious about life in general mm-hmm. because they're so used to having to kind of figure some of that out, but also they know what the questions are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, and it gives them confidence in themselves too. You know, they start to realize, you know what, I've, I've got a good mind, you know, I can, I can think through this stuff. I, you know, yes, it's a, a hard question to answer, but if I sit down and think about it, I can come up with what's probably the best approach. So they, they learn to start to trust their judgment around how to handle different situations. And, and that's really important, whether it's your, your child or your team member, you know, you want them to feel confident that they can, that they can think through something. Absolutely. And for me, that's like the ultimate goal, particularly in entrepreneurship for me is building businesses that are not only profitable, but that you can step out of as the leader and everything still functions beautifully. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're still, you're still growing. You still have sales. People are interacting positively and solving problems together And that all starts with a lot of those questions and allowing everybody to figure things out the way their brains work and not necessarily the way yours does. That's right. That's right. And then you harness the collective wisdom of the group, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm telling you what to do and then you're just passing that message down to the next layer and they're passing that down to the next layer, the only real brain power that's being harnessed is the CEO, right? That senior right. leader. And everybody's just marching to whatever beat they're setting. But if that CEO is asking questions and engaging their VPs and that they're helping to come up with strategy, and then those VPs are working with managers to come up with strategy, all of a sudden we're getting everybody's best thoughts and ideas. And and that's so much more effective. Yeah. It's so funny how many times my clients come to me and they're like, I don't know how to solve this thing, fill in the blank with whatever the problem is. I'm like, well, did you ask your team? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, aren't I supposed to just have the answer? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I always joke. I'm the best coach when I know nothing about the topic, because if I know nothing about the topic or what they should do there, 
I'm really good about asking questions because I don't have any sense of what the answer should be. I'm the worst coach when I think that I'm super knowledgeable because then I like to, you know, tell people, well, here's what I think. So it's sometimes better to not know the answer because then you engage your team. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And the group thing creates better solutions Mm -hmm. every single time. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, for me, that communication and that interaction is so empowering, but it also creates the ability to work together far more effectively than having that, that very hierarchical um, kind of trickle down effect so that information's you know, disseminated more. For me, it's more of a flow um, yeah. over just straight line. That's right. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. I also saw on your website, your favorite quote from John Wooden, I'm going to share with everybody. And he says, whatever you do in life, surround yourself with smart people who argue with you. (laughs) Now I have to share with you. My oldest son is probably one of the most argumentative people I've ever met. And it's, it's a really good thing because he questions everything. I'm really curious what the meaning is in this quote for you, if it's something similar or completely different. Yeah, that's such a fun question. And I do love that quote. To me, it, it kind of has two facets to it. Number one, of course, the smart people, right? Because you want to surround yourself with people that come up with great ideas and that stimulate your thinking. And hopefully you do the same for them. When you have the collective, again, wisdom of the group and you have smart people around you, you're just, you're going to do some great things. So I love that aspect of it. And then the other key element is that who will argue with you. Mm -hmm. Because as a leader, if I'm surrounded by people who just take direction and want me to set that direction, again, we're only getting my thoughts and my my decision-making. I want people who say, you know what? No, I don't think that's a great idea. I think if we do that, it's going to be a big mistake. And frankly, I have my team members tell me that kind of stuff all the time. And I love it. I love that they feel comfortable enough around me to say, I disagree with you. I love that they have their own thoughts and their ideas and, you know, we'll, we'll hash it out. And sometimes we might go with their way. Sometimes we, we might go with my way. Sometimes we may come with a whole new direction and a new solution based on talking it out. But I can't imagine working with a team and feeling good if it was just my my direction, my strategy, what I thought all the time. Why why bother to have a team of smart people around you if you're not going to listen to them? Yeah, yeah, I love a good argument, like and and debating mm-hmm. because it's it's so much fun to get into the back and the forth and the challenging ideas and where that all goes. So I, uh, this could be my new favorite quote as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one. At Excel Institute, we actually measure a concept in our surveys called psychological safety. So whether or not a leader creates good psychological safety with their team. And simply what that means, if I have good psychological safety with my leader, I am comfortable saying, I don't agree. I'm comfortable trying things because I know they've got my back and that they're going to support me and they're not going to be mad at me just because I don't share their exact thoughts and opinions. So if a leader creates good psychological safety with their team members, all of a sudden their team members will be a lot more open with them and they'll share those ideas. So that's something that we actually look for in good leadership. Oh, 
perfect. There we go. All right, everybody, argue away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Sarah, this has been so much fun, and I love everything that you're doing, everything that Excel is doing. Obviously, leadership is near and dear to my heart, but I think there's such a great place for us to really be growing as people who are helping teams grow and our businesses grow, too having that being able to measure something that seems intangible is really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that others can learn from it, right? Because if we can measure it, we can teach it and that's, that helps everybody get better. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for being a listener of the tribe of leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 